0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Weekend of Dave's Episode 2. You know, I said at first that I was not going to put a time frame on this in terms of how frequently or infrequently I do this, but I had so much fun with the first episode, the premiere episode, that I wanted to get a head start on the next one. I'm also planning on, more in line with the title, releasing these, at least on the weekend is the is the idea. So this will be recorded during the week. Typically, hopefully with game news or news on my own, games, TV, backlogs, what I'm watching, what I'm playing, with a, with a release drop aimed at the weekend. So that's the plan right now. This year was this week was kind of packed. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world of games and, and entertainment. And I thought it would be interesting just to go with a quick recap of some interesting things that happened and then go in depth with a little more and touch upon what I've been doing. So biggest thing that happened or I guess it depends on your viewpoint but one of the one of the two big things that happened this past week was the announcement of Deltarune uh which f- uh, for those who don't know is a side entry spin-off prequel part of a sequel to Undertale which was developed by Toby Fox. It was announced the day before Halloween the Twitter account for both Toby Fox and Undertale kind of went haywire and and of course in classic Toby fashion teased this big reveal and that ended up being this start or part of a new game a teaser, if you will, of this new game I have not had the chance to try it out but uh, I've heard some crazy things about spoilers and all that kind of stuff so yeah, if you were a fan of the original Undertale and I think I will link in uh, an article I have on the site that mentions Undertale as well as a review I did on another site a couple of years back for the game in which I, I really enjoyed it I think it's a little uh, not the it's not the you know I don't, I don't think it's the the I don't think it's the end-all be-all resurgence of the RPG I don't think it's this this phenomenal top 10 RPG but it's a great it's a good game it's a it's a fun game uh, I really like the characters and the writings impeccable and the music's great. It's a fun game for for what it is, the size of it, and and, and I'm I'm all for a follow up. I look forward to getting into Delta Room at some at Delta Room at some point in the coming weeks or whatever. But yeah, check that out. Other big news that happened this week was the Nintendo Direct, and so I've have a little more stake in this just because I watched the forty minute direct in its entirety um, as of the time of this recording. I think I watched it back on Thursday. To bring everybody up to speed on, in case you were living under a rock or just weren't in the know and didn't know what was going on. There was a recent leak a couple days ago, maybe over a week now, supposedly from somebody that works on promotional material that had worked with Namco Bandai in the past uh, at a French company. uh, Supposedly shared a Snapchat with a friend that showed promo material for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate and on that promo material were characters that had not been, as of yet, revealed, including Ken, Shadow the Hedgehog, Isaac from Golden Sun, Banjo-Kazooie, which, as we all know, is now under the Microsoft family because Rare was purchased by Microsoft, and some other characters, but it was something that was spreading over the internet like wildfire, and everybody was kind of up in arms and taking sides as to whether or not this leak was legit and we'd be seeing it during the direct. And the answer was, no, this leak was not accurate pretty much at all. Uh, The two characters shown at the beginning of the direct were Ken from Street Fighter and Incineroar from Pokemon. And while Ken was part of that supposed, you know, that leak, I think it was just pure happenstance that that was, you know, it's a likely guess. Ryu, in the series, it makes sense to have an Echo, and what better Echo, right? If Nintendo's claiming Luigi's the original Echo, well... Ken's pretty up there, too. So, Ken was a pretty safe guess, I guess, for, for somebody to be in Smash Ultimate. And then Incineroar was another... Uh, wasn't actually on the leak, but another a lot of people theorized that it was going to be um, you know, making the cut because Nintendo loves their Pokemon almost as much as they love their Fire Emblem characters when it comes to Smash Ultimate. So, that didn't come as too much of a surprise either characters reveal. The more surprising thing, actually, as this Direct got started up, remember, we're only three to four minutes into the direct at this point, is that that's it for characters. So the total number of characters at launch is going to be 74 characters, including all the ones that have been previously revealed. And yeah, that's the lineup as of now. So no Geno, no Banjo, none of those theorized characters, unfortunately. But I will say, the characters that we have here are really quite awesome I'm excited to play as Ridley, and King K. Rule and Incineroar, and Ken, and all the others, and Daisy, and some of the old favorites, I love my Snake, so give me some more Snake, and just excited to to main some new people too, like Bowser and the like, so I'm quite happy with how the roster has turned up, Uh, but yeah, as... As for the leaks, it's a shame, but of course we shouldn't have gotten our hopes up for some of these crazy characters. But we'll get into that actually a little more later when we talk about DLC. But going down to the next item. So after they revealed those two characters from the direct, um, Sakurai unveiled Spirits Mode, which had been already determined from people. They'd figured out the name by kind of reversing the the image that had been pixelated in the previous Direct. And so Spirits Mode is kind of interesting because it is simultaneously a way for Nintendo to avoid having to model a bunch of, not character models, but trophy models that I guess were very time-consuming. And, and admittedly, I don't know how many people actually took the time to really savor the art that, you know, the work that Nintendo and Sakurai's team had done to put into those trophies you know so as a compromise they broaden the list it seems like but instead of trophies we're getting what are called, called spirits and these spirits are basically 2D sprites that act as basically it's a play on what we had in Smash 4 Smash for Wii U Smash for 3DS where where your spirits power up your character and you can it, it almost has these these RPG elements where you can upgrade your characters with attack boosts and d- special moves and skill, kind of skill tree-ish kind of things. It's interesting the way that they kind of showed this off. I wasn't a fan of the length of this Direct by any means, and I think that, honestly, they dwelled on... I You know, Nintendo has a bad habit of just over-explaining every little thing with these Directs. That said, I do think that the Directs are really, really excellent marketing pieces, because look, you're drumming up a ton of hype for the end of your year, where Smash is really your only big game, and this Direct is g- gathering so much hype for, for your game, so I think more power to Nintendo for doing this, but 40 minutes, I think that this mode could have been explained at half the time. That said, it does seem pretty interesting. It's essentially the events from past, the events modes from past Smash games, but distilled into... Kind of a more single player, you know, given a little more of a fine edge, a little more purpose, and letting people have kind of a little more input into how they approach battles, which I really like. And I love the fact that you know they're trying to make the the matches channel the spirits that are possessing these different characters. So, all I'm saying, I gotta get my Kyle Hyde from Hotel Dusk. He needs to be there somewhere, please. He was a trophy. I'm almost, I think, almost positive he was a trophy in one of the Smash games. Please let him be a spirit in this game. Because I would lose my mind. But. So we learned about spirits mode. Seems interesting. I'm not sold on it. But. Keeping an old open mind. And. I just think the RPG depth there will be super interesting. Again Nintendo went on after this in the direct. To go over all kinds of things like. Mm-hmm. New assist trophies. And then they completely killed. You know. Leaker's. Hope's. And Dreams by, you know, killing off Isaac was confirmed as an assist trophy. Shadow was con- confirmed as an assist trophy. Uh, what I think the main character, of Fatal Frame, was confirmed, which was kind of crazy. I love that. Those are... It's, it's things like that that are really cool. So, you know, even if we're not going to get Shovel Knight, for example, in Smash, it's cool that he's at least getting some representation. Other things like being able to... Set custom rules when you go online. I mean, there, there are some of these things that I feel like Nintendo just kind of draws on, as I said before. Talking about how, you know, if you're in a multiplayer match, you're going to be matched to people closer to you to maintain a stable connection. And how they recommend you use a wired internet LAN cable. Right? I mean, you're, you're kidding me, Nintendo, right? <laughs> we all know this stuff. We don't need you to walk us through. You're not our parents. Anyway... Online play does seem like it's been upgraded to an extent because I, I don't know for sure because I know my biggest problem with Smash Four Online and Brawl Online was just the latency was horrendous. It's it's nice that seemingly we'll be able to pick our own rule set, so we're getting away from the whole timed stuff. But I noticed in the direct that seemingly stocks only go up to three not to five or unlimited, you know, 99 or whatever. So there seems to be a little bit of... I wish there was a little more functionality, a little more customization there, but I I understand for what they're going for, and it'll be fun to rise in the ranks there. So then later in the Direct, we find out some, I guess, less exciting stuff. For example, you can look at tips for your characters and their movesets. Not sure why that's necessary to point out in a Direct, as I would have probably assumed that would have already been in a comprehensive fighting game, but okay, Nintendo. And Challenges Are Back, which, again, I really enjoyed in past games. So they basically went for comprehensive, just go over every little detail of this game and, and flip it over a, a thousand times and just see. Basically, pull back the curtain, let everybody see what's what's there. Uh, however, the, the one thing that they did kind of leave two things that they left shrouded in mystery. The first thing was their plans for DLC. They did, they unveiled one other character, the generic Piranha from the Mario franchise, which was kind of nuts. I don't think anybody expected that. That was crazy. Uh but thinking about it now, it's actually super exciting. Like I'm actually super excited for that. I love the fact that it's free for a limited time as long as you pre-order the game. Otherwise, it'll be paid at a later date. And then, aside from the Piranha, which is completely separate from all other DLC plans, it's just a limited time offer, completely separate, there is going to be a season pass of sorts, an expansion pass, that will bring five new characters, five new stages, and at least five new pieces of music to the game. And so, apparently these have they have ideas of who the characters are, but they haven't really started development yet. It's priced at $25 for all the whole pack or you can buy them individually for six so you're saving five bucks for buying them as a whole Sakurai even went out of his way to say hey you know if you don't think that you're getting your value or you're afraid of the fact that you don't know what the characters are please don't don't feel obligated or please don't buy it right now and i appreciate that at least uh i mean this is the same system that we had in smash 4 this doesn't really surprise me at all And, and when you think about it 25 bucks for five new characters seems a little steep when you consider the fact that we have 74 in the carrot in the game as is, and 75 when you include PD, you know, assuming you get it for free, Yeah, You're gonna be putting hundreds of hours into this game anyway, so you know why not support the the studio that made it? Is my real thinking. And plus, I think you add that five, those f- remaining five, and you add PD, which would make six, and so then your roster becomes a nice even 80, which is awesome. An awesome round number, so I will definitely, I'm definitely excited. I mean, I'm excited for the base game, but I'm also excited to see what they do with the DLC. As for the DLC, I was trying to brainstorm some kind of potential characters I'd love to see. Going off of kind of buzz on the internet and some other leakers that seem a little more legitimate than the Grinch leak, as we call the, the leak that was, you know, debunked this Thursday. Yeah, people are, a popular theory, not theory, but a popular statement going around is that We'll see one Square Enix rep in this DLC. We don't know for sure, but based on somebody that seems to have an insider at Nintendo, that seems to be the case. I'm trying to think of who that could be. I hope it's Gino. Part of me hopes it's Gino. I don't really know why I want Geno. It's maybe because everybody wants Geno, and I, and I like Super Mario RPG a lot. But, I don't know, if it's not going to be Gino. Somebody from... Uh, Sora? I guess Sora would, would be... I, honestly, I would like Sora more than Gino. I'm not gonna... Who am I kidding? So, Sora or Gino would be fantastic. And then, after that... I mean, you could pick any... I mean, Square Enix has a wealth of... You know, treasure trove of great characters. But I would love to see... Even like a Noctis or a... I don't think you'd see Lightning. Uh, just because it has nothing to do with the Switch. But I could... Theoretically, I could see... You know, Titus depending on how you say it I could see anybody from 10 anybody from 12 oh you know now that 12 is in the you know the switch library theoretically it's all fair game so could we get my guy fear in that and could we get an Irut village map or a uh, Arcadia map wow <laughs> wow yeah for those who don't know Final Fantasy 12 is my favorite game of all time I would love to see anything like that but I digress any other characters, uh, ideas, I would I would love for Banjo to still be on the table here because he hasn't, uh, you know, Phil Spencer from Microsoft said he's down. Seemingly, I'm sure they explore this option. I would love to see him be a DLC character. So really, uh, I don't really have any particular asks outside of that. So that that's kind of when I know that I'm satisfied with the roster. I mean, outside, again, outside of you bringing hotel dust from the dead reviving sing and bringing in kyle hyde as a playable character i mean i'm never there's no there's nobody else i really want so with that seems like a good plan to me the dlc plan and i i'm satisfied with the characters they they showed i just thought that the direct was ran way too long we didn't need to know all these details it ended with One other thing kind of shrouded in mystery, and this was the thing that really kind of left it on a really positive note for me, was this cutscene leading into the single-player portion of the game. So this cutscene has all the Smash characters facing off against, you know, a thousand master hands. Everybody dies, seemingly at the hands of this villain who, checking on the website afterwards, is named Galeem. But so all the characters get wiped out except for Kirby, who somehow escapes, and it's up to Kirby to rescue everybody in this single-player game where you're running basically across an open map, a flat map, kind of like the you know that new Gwent single-player game. You're r- r- running around a map, initiating battles. You're developing your character through skill trees and spirits, and so it incorporates elements of the spirits mode into the single-player mode. There's a kick-ass theme song that goes with this, with the main battle theme, the main menu theme of Smash Ultimate has lyrics, kind of in the vein of Jump Up Superstar from Super Mario Odyssey. It just looks super interesting, and it got me excited because I, I can see this now as being a game that, on the Switch, pick up and go, battle, do some spirit battles, battle you know level up your character a little bit, do some events, I'm sure there are going to be a ton of these little spirit battles going on. There must be at least something in the, I would hope, a couple hundred, right? Or at least a hundred around, right? Two hundred would be great. I could see myself picking up, doing a couple rounds of that on a bus or on a commute or something like that, playing a little single player, rescuing some characters, and then when you get home, you dock it and you play against your friends. So, I mean, really this seems like the definitive entry in the series. It seems like... Definitely, the Switch's juggernaut this year, and it might it might end up being, in all honesty, perhaps the best Switch game to date. I mean, it depends on your personal preferences, but I'm excited by what I've seen, and yeah, this this direct was, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't I wasn't leaping out of my chair at work, I wasn't screaming for joy, but it delivered with, with the you know the details that we needed to know. At first, I was a little negative on it coming out of it originally when I just thought well that that's all the characters you know we got our hopes up the spirit mode seems a little convoluted but the, you know in classic Nintendo fashion you know knowing them they give you a lot of details but at the same time you know in those details you see all the love that they put into their craft and, and they, you know all the people there clearly love what they do even if Sakurai really needs a break really but Yeah, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate seems like, well, can't say anything definitive for sure, but I'm excited to play play it for real when it comes out in December. And then to get back to kind of what I've been doing outside of gaming news, a couple of things. Still working hard on Horizon Zero Dawn. Haven't really made too, too much progress this past week, so that's kind of up in the air. Playing a little more Red Dead. Again, the backlog kind of stuff, I think I'll share a little more next episode, hopefully. But I had the chance to check out something really cool, which was the second season of the Castlevania show on Netflix. Oddly enough, Netflix, for whatever reason, they they did a good job of promoting all their other Halloween kind of content. So the new Sabrina series, The Haunting of Hill House... But for some reason, they just did not seem to. I had no idea that a second season had dropped for Castlevania. I knew it was, you know, in development, but I just didn't realize that it had dropped right there. So, over the past two days, two sittings, I watched all eight episodes, and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything, but I just thought I'd share a few of my thoughts. Just like the first season, uh, well, I, first of all, first of all, I should start by saying I enjoyed it a lot. Just like the first season is interesting, I had to watch the entirety of this show with subtitles on, and, and I don't typically watch stuff with subtitles unless it's anime, but for whatever reason, something about the sound quality of the performances here, it feels like the diction's just a little off, like, I just feel like I need to keep it on just to make sure that I'm following what's being said. It's sometimes the words can feel like they morph together, or, or people are kind of muttering the actors, but the, the acting itself is great. I just need the, the subtitles on just to make sure I'm hearing every word that's pronounced. And that's kind of funny because ironically, the subtitles on Netflix, the English subtitles are not always exactly the same as the subtitles uh, as what's being said. It's not, it's not a case of it being closed captioning. That's not, that's not what's happening, but it's, it's supposed to be the actual subtitles. And so there's a little bit of wonkiness even then, but it, it kind of just felt like I was watching an anime that just happened to be in English, English dubbed, but also with English subs at the same time, which was a weird experience, but it was an, an interesting one. So for those who need a refresher on the Castlevania series or, have, or haven't or have seen it at all, the first season was four episodes long. It starred uh, Trevor Belmont, Alucard, and Sifa, like a magician. And the three, it was a short run kind of thing cuz it almost felt like a pilot for for the showrunners to to show that they could they could do something interesting with the Castlevania license but it left on a cl- bit of a cliffhanger they were trying to f- kill dracula after dracula lost his wife who's a human and as part of the pain that he had to bear for that he de- he decided that he was going to exterminate the human race in the in the world of Castlevania this takes place during the during castlevania 3 the the events of castlevania 3 so so those who have played the the game will recognize many of the characters that show up in the netflix series and the time period is also identical or similar between the two so you're going to be recognizing names and phrases and things like of that sort of that nature so the first episode uh, the first season four episodes Short, you know, almost felt like an OVA for those that watch anime, and but it it was good. I enjoyed the first season for what it was. Had some great fight scenes. That fight scene at the end with Alucard, uh, Siva, and, and Trevor all together in that crypt that Alucard was sleeping in was incredible. Uh, and and it's a funny show too. You know, there's a good bit of humor. It reminds me a lot of like Avatar: The Last Airbender, any of the shows made by people that worked on Avatar, such as The Dragon Prince, Voltron, shows of that nature. There's always, it always tends to be an animated show that has some sweet action scenes, but also pulls back, has some world building, and some excellent humor that is really on the mark. And really, Castlevania is no different to this. Now, season two, the episode count was extended from four episodes to eight episodes so there was a little more room to play with. It felt like the first episode, uh, the first season the pacing I thought was very good it's just that there was so little of it that we wanted more. So with the second season we're getting that we, we got it. Double the episode count and I had some immediate thoughts on it. First off the show starts really strongly it retains a lot of the same great action and humor but it also layers in some really awesome character development. So we get to get more character development on the side of Dracula and a lot of his kind of cronies. So you have Isaac and Hector who are two humans that seemingly are the only two humans that Dracula respects as almost equals to him because they share him in their desire to rid the world of humans for reasons I won't really spoil. But there's intrigue there's intrigue within Dracula's ranks within between his vampire generals and his human ones and determining how to allocate their efforts on the war the war effort how they distribute troops and where they're going to invade next that's a huge part of season 2 a lot of it is kind of political intrigue almost like almost like kind of game of thrones esque strategy and pacing which Better or for worse, honestly, because Game of Thrones is kind of notorious for starting off super slow, and it's only just kind of ramping up the pacing for these for this final few seasons, right? And Castlevania seems seemingly takes a little bit of inspiration from that. There's some very methodical character development, which is great; it's welcome, and there are a lot of new characters that were introduced in this season. But I think it it creates two problems that I have with with the season for as funny as it is as as sweet as the action is it feels like the the main the majority of this second season is really slowly plotted like really kind of in the same few areas a lot of stuff happening in Dracula's castle with the same kind of themes delivered over and over on Trevor Alucard and Simon's side of things it's a lot of preparation for invading dracula's castle right and so there's a lot of good stuff and it's entertaining and thankfully at the eight episode count it's still very manageable to get through it just feels slow it's almost like a juxtaposition it's a weird juxtaposition because the show feels slow in and of itself and yet at that eight episode count it almost needs to rush at the end so the end of the season almost kind of collapses in on itself and and things are rushed and a little underexplained for my taste. And the ending reaches a much more definitive point of the story than I expected. I thought that we, this was almost going to be a first season, second season, third season arc. But we have clearly gotten to the end of an arc with this second season. And had the show kind of ended there as kind of a limited series, I might have been a little disappointed. Thankfully, though... There are some tidbits in this epilogue of a final episode of the season that really shows that perhaps we're only just getting started with the show, and it's already been greenlit for season three. My intuition, my thought is that, yeah, this the show is going strong. It's going to continue. There's a ten episode. Ten episodes have been greenlit for season three. So it's only going to continue to expand. I'm really excited for what the showrunners do with more, even more material, more runway to work with, because they've introduced some interesting characters. I I think what they need to do moving forward is really find a nice balance between character development and methodical pacing, but making sure that things are delivered to the care to the uh, to the audience in a nice drip feed. Right, it needs to feel natural. It needs to feel like each episode move somewhere by the end. But all in all, really, despite my qualms about the show, the strengths that you saw in the first season are still present in the second season. It's just a little slower. Excellent action. I don't know if anything will ever top that action scene at the end of season one, but still some excellent action, some humor, and honestly, a lot more characters and, and a lot better character development than was present in the first one. So take that for what you may... Definitely a recommendation. If you're a fan of the series, watch it. Uh, it's rare to get a, a a an American cartoon. At least I I guess I would blanket it under being an American cartoon because it's it's produced by Netflix and a lot of the sh- the people working on the show are Americans. But it's definitely not an anime, right? It's not it's not made by Japanese. It's not it's not being directed and storyboarded by Japanese animators, right? So, but it very much is in the vein of a Japanese anime, and I think that's why it's working so well. Just just like in the footsteps of Avatar and Korra and shows like that, it's really working. And I'm, and I'm hoping that Netflix goes back in on this in the future and there are rumors or, or things in the wind about a, a Zelda show in the same vein from the same showrunners as the Castlevania series. That would be... Insane. I would love that. Obviously, it can't be as visceral and, and as violent as the Castlevania show, and there are some whew, there are some moments in this one, right? But I would love Zelda would be an excellent one, and I, I tried to do some brainstorming as to some other shows that I think would really lend the licenses or, or, or franchises that would lend themselves well to this kind of storytelling in a animated show. I kind of try to shy away from... I'm not a big fan of the live actions. I don't think, for example, like Bleach and Death Note have really done well in Netflix, but Zelda's a good pick. Honestly, if Castlevania gets the treatment, I'm thinking, why not get a Metroid one, honestly? I know people probably think that's a horrible idea, given how the story for Other M was received, when they actually voiced Samus, really, but... I think if you're going to give... Out of the Castlevania genre, right? If you're going to give Castlevania its moment in the sun, I think you should give Metroid its fair sh- due as well. Aside from that, there aren't... I'm trying to think mainly of Japanese franchises just because I think that that's where it lends itself well with this kind of animated style and being inspired by Japanese animation. Honestly, it's been done before, but I would say... Final Fantasy, perhaps done by a western studio, could be really interesting. I, I liked the Brotherhood anime, and I'm not talking about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is fen- phenomenal. I'm talking about Final Fantasy XV Brotherhood. That was good. I would love to see that done, maybe the animation is still outsourced or done by an A1 or a Bones, but I'd love to see some western storyboard people take it and really work with it and see what they can come up with. I think it could be an interesting way of melding some iconic Japanese franchises with some American values when it comes to television standards and and things of that sort. I think it could be very interesting to see if this becomes a trend moving forward. And based on the reception to Castlevania so far, I think the answer is yes, this will continue to be a thing and Zelda will only open the door to that. So let's let's get some more franchises in there while we can as well, huh? And that's a wrap for us this week. Little longer of an episode. Again, going to try to keep it around the half an hour mark, give or take 10 minutes, so 20 to 40. It's a lot of stuff to cover, and it's kind of difficult to talk about it without, you know, if we want to get into the details. The reality is... These podcasts tend to be a little on the longer side rather than the shorter side. But again, my main thing is try to keep it bite-sized, try to keep people engaged, interested. And I hope I keep I kept you engaged for this episode. So that's a wrap on Weekend at Dave's, episode two, and I will see you next week.